Welcome to South Florida. Beautiful, hot Sunday afternoon. The second race of the round of eight. It's going to be a great day for racing here in South Florida. Obviously, a really fun racetrack. It's going to be fun to slide around a lot. Let's have a good day here, fellas. Stay in the fight all day. I'll do my best for you out here. Make up for last week, for sure. Hi, boys. We had a nice little pressure off day. Let's have some fun. Let's execute all day. Be there at the end, we'll have a shot. There's a checkered flag, there's a great trophy, and for a playoff driver, the potential to race for a championship with a win today. Pace cars off. Ready, ready, green flag. They are off and running and heading side by side up to turn number one. Keep looking at that seam, you look beautiful, doing great. Whole car feels like it's eight inches off the ground, zero grip. Run your line, keep the tires on it, nice and smooth. Turn four, John Hunter Nemechek. Nice, lock it down, lock it down. Just snap. Missed the wall a little bit there. Kyle Larson is waxing the field here. I just got loose. Man, run around there and give up two spots like that. So stupid. Stay outside, 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 outside. Green checkers the line here. Kyle Larson picks up the stage win. Ryan, you're doing a great job out there. Just hang in. Four. Thank you, boss. Now, here, go. Too tight. This 11 should be leaving up here. Coming around the 57, around, around, short in. Oh, he has to get around Landon Castle. I never knew the 77 was coming. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Back, back up, back up. Back up. Drop the jack on the left side. The left front lug. No, what's on? We'll be racing that five to get back on the lead lap. Second luck with that. Six second lead now. The five gets the clean air and is able to run in line by the fence. He's like down. Turn two. Chase Frisco is in the fence. Playoff contender. We're in the wall hard here. All right, guys. That was so freaking loose. Steering wheel straight. No, it's all broke. I mean, it's broke bad. That's yeah, not too bad. Get to the garage. We're done. Right here. Be a stage checker. Good work. Kyle Larson sweeps the opening two stages. All right. Page goes off. On you. Don't be predictable. I'll push in here. I'll push it. Bottom of three with a 19 if you get to him. Bottom of three. Ryan Blaney will come away with that big move. Damn it, man. Game don't 12 ahead lightning. Good here. We still got plenty of time. We'll get it back. Two, Denny Hamlin breaks loose. Hold your line. Get her on back up. Damn, nice save, man. Right back in rhythm here. Man, it's terrible. This time, buddy. You ready? Go, go. Oh. Back up, 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 back up. Jack it up. Jack it up. Back it up! All right, go, 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 go! All the way, go, go! Go, go. Green all the way to the yellow line. Access road, go hard. Don't lock it out. Cautions out, cautions out, cautions out. You're going again. My God. So sorry, guys. Cannot believe I just did that. Just stay cool here. We'll get her back. So when you get done being really mad, we're just going to have to refocus here. On the 19 here. Levin's pushing, keep him back there, still pushing. We're in a really good spot here. That five has been all day, but our job is to be clean. Five cars clear now. It's gonna be hard to haul him off. The 19's already talking about you. They're worried about you. It's 30 to go, tons of time. Stay in your rhythm. Tyler Reddick spins off turn two. Tyler, you all right? I think so. See the plane, boys. Really wish they'd have stayed green, but you know how that is. You were doing really good today. All right, on your left. Three. What the? He got oh, hit coming into his wow. mid stall. Change your tires. Change tires. Did I spin the 19? He did, but he was going to miss his stall. He didn't turn in. I thought he locked the brakes up in front of me, so I hope he's not mad at me. This car. 
Welcome to Tracksmack here on TracksmackRadio.com. Another one down, two more to go. That was your radioactive, courtesy of NASCAR's Race Hub. There you can catch all of those on YouTube, of course, and I invite you to go and watch them there. They are amazing. And uh, there you go, Kyle Larson with the just cremation basically of the field it was just crazy he ran away with that race uh from start to finish uh we're going to talk about it and dissect it and all here in just a second uh but of course to do that i gotta have my cohort my partner in crime to help me with that and of course joining me as always mike haig from racedaysa.com mike first of all thank you so much you and your son uh for holding things down last week uh, great show that you got recorded. Lots of audio, of course, from uh, the NHRA that was here in Texas a few weeks ago or two weeks ago now. Uh, but thank you so much. I really appreciated you and uh, and Mike doing that. No problem. And welcome back. It's great. Good to see you again. We uh, like you said, we you took off last week. And of course, you had a good reason to and <laughs> your lovely son got married and to his beautiful bride. And boy, I saw a lot of great pictures and I got a chance to see that. Great picture of you dancing with them and everything, and it, it brought tears tears to my eyes almost <laughs> because I know what a proud mom you are, Dawn, and and um, everything. And it looks like everything just went off just just fine. Well, you know that's the thing too, Mike. Is again, we always talk about it's eighteen years we've been doing track smack. So, um, I mean, <laughs> if that's the case, you know, Don or Caleb, I'm sorry, not Donovan. Caleb is. Uh, 29. Uh, so, you know, he, he just turned 29. So you've known him since he was 11 years old, you know, <laughs> um, and, and, and then especially when it comes to Donovan, you've known Donovan pretty much, well, since he was like two or three years old. So, um, I mean, you know, we both have, have seen each other's children since they were tiny, you know, and, and watched them grow. So it's, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Since they're little bitty, bitty things. I mean, <laughs> I've I see my youngest is nineteen now, my oldest is twenty four. So Yeah. Uh, you know, and and but it's it's been great and my son jumped in there in the NHRA segment and, and he did really, really you know, good job and he um uh, he's he's just a real pro at what he's doing uh, there at Baylor and uh 
having a good time and a great it's a great learning experience for him just not just taking him to the races which we went to but uh also to get him on track smack and do a little you know broadcasting uh i, I think it's it's good for him and good for his um you know, resume and everything else that he's putting together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, nowadays these kids are going to have to know how to do it all. Cause it seems like, you know, the things that we started out doing, Mike, the, you know, actual terrestrial radio or uh, radio, I should say, not radio radio. And then you actually doing newspaper print, the, these two wow. things that are almost non-existent nowadays, you know, it's all podcast or, uh, you know, I mean, there's there's still terrestrial radio, so to speak. But honestly, and, you know, I'm pulling back the curtain here a little bit, but a lot of people may not know this, but very, very few uh, DJs, I'm doing DJs in, in yeah. air quotes, actually re- do the shows anymore from studios at radio stations and stuff. I mean, most people are doing it the way that you and I are doing it, sitting at home in a in an office or in a room or whatever and 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 doing it by because you don't have to actually physically go in anymore anywhere. You can just do it this way. Yeah, and the equip the you know the uh, radio broadcasting equipment that they're using nowadays, they've, you know, compacted it down and it's reasonable to to buy and then you can get these microphones and microphone stands and mixers and everything and with the, all the programs and everything that are out there and the lighting and stuff that you can use for for video with your uh, uh radio uh, broadcasting you know work it really has simplified things and um and you know instead of spending all that time and money and effort in a professional studio like you said you can do it in an office or a closet or a bedroom or wherever so it sure has made it a lot easier for us uh and i think that the quality sounds just as good as if we were at, like a ticket 760 you know in the broadcast studio right i mean most of in fact mike i'm trying to think um i may say one or two but i i won't even give names because i can pretty much guarantee anyone that listens to nascar radio on sirius xm um i don't know of any um i mean if there is i'm gonna say maybe one or two of the of the the talent that comes on throughout the days uh, or, you know, throughout the weekdays and stuff are physically at a Sirius XM studio. The majority, all the producers are and stuff, and they're pretty much there in Washington, D.C. in the Beltway, where our good friend Chris Glasgow, who worked for us uh, at Ticket 760, I'm sorry, no, he was at uh, (laughs) uh, KTSA. Chris was with us. Um, He is now actually at Sirius XM up there. He doesn't work on the NASCAR side of things, but he is up there in the Beltway. Um, working from the Sirius XM studio, but that's pretty much all there is, is just production studios there. Uh, very, very few people, if any, on the NASCAR side of things go actually into the studio. I know Doug Rice, when he fills in, um, he'll go to the PRN studios there in Charlotte yeah. and, and he'll do it and they'll just, you know, they'll patch him in from there. But pretty much everybody is doing it from their home studios or, you know, their office or whatever at home and uh, and just doing it that way. We're even seeing it on the uh, television side of the uh, of the aisle as far as like whenever I watch ESPN in the mornings, like get up and first take and stuff. Some of the guests that they have on there are, are remote and they're like in an office, uh, home office with a nice setup and with lighting and everything. And that's a nice thing about the technology today. You can be on remote locations and everything and produce really quality uh, broadcasts and yep. stuff. So it's, it's pretty cool. So uh, it's good for Michael to partake in that and 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 see some of that and don um 
Man, I tell you what, uh, we are getting close to the end of the NASCAR season. Thank God. <laughs> Homestead, <I'm sorry. laughs> is, yeah, Homestead. I know it's been a, it's been a long year. Homestead <laughs> this this uh, past weekend, and it was the Kyle Larson show, and then we go to Martinsville, and then we wrap it up in Phoenix. So it's just about you know come to an end, and then also the um, NHRA is uh, at, at Las Vegas at the Strip out there at this, this, the drag strip there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And then they have a week in between, and then they finish up their season in Pomona. So uh, that's the last of the two uh, motorsports series that I know they're running right now. Uh, then it's uh, w- w- the winter hibernation break, you might say. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. Um, I know Formula One was also in, in town. It was up there in Austin this past weekend. And believe it or not, Mike, I just saw Homestead had the highest ratings of any motorsports thing this weekend, uh, even beat out Formula One, which my understanding is they had amazing crowds up there. Um, I can tell you this much on my way. Well, I went into town. I went into San Antonio Thursday, so I kind of avoided it all. Craig was rerouted on his route um, on Friday afternoon to San Antonio. He couldn't understand why I wasn't putting him on the tollway and made him go the other way. And I said, um, probably because of all the traffic going into Austin to the, to the track. So, uh, yeah, they, you know, they had some good crowds up there. And, uh, I, I, again, I, it's almost like I fell off the face of the earth for the weekend. I have no idea. I didn't see anything. (laughs) Um, I listened to the Homestead race. I was listening to it on the way home. Mm -hmm. Um, and it barely kept me awake. It was super boring (laughs) on the radio. So I can only imagine what it was like on, on television. Uh, but we heard there on the radioactive. Yes, it was the Kyle Larson show. Uh, and some other guys, William Byron and, and quite a few guys, uh, Ryan Blaney and others with all kinds of trouble. I mean, just spinning out or pit, pit saw issues, lug nuts being left off, having to, you know, return to pit road or not, or go to leather stall and then back up and, and make sure that lug nuts were tied on car. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, you would have thought that it was only the second week into the season with some of the issues we were having. Yeah, no kidding. So they had the Dixie Vodka 400 there at Homestead, and uh, uh, it was just a kind of a crazy, uh, weird stuff that happened. Like you said, you know, you thought it was the first or second race of the weekend. They were trying to shake the cobwebs off. But get this, Don. Um, Kyle Larson wins both st- uh, swept both stage wins at, at the race. He led 199 of the 267 laps. And his number five uh, Hendrick Motorsport Chevy, and he uh, pulled away to a, a whopping one point two six one second victory over Ross Chastain, who got uh, second. And Ross is still still up there looking good. And this was um, his third win of the season, nineteenth of his career, and first at Homestead. I didn't realize, uh, you know, he had, I, I forgot that he had a couple near misses there at the track in in. Uh, 2016, he led 132 laps and finished as a runner-up. And then in, in, in uh, 2017, a year later, he finished third and he led 145 laps. So he typically runs well at at Homestead and, and showed that. And what a shame, you know, that he got knocked out of the playoffs because had, had he still been in, he would have punched his ticket with Joey Logano as the only two drivers that are locked into the, to the championship four. But um, uh, I thought uh, – I thought, you know, they had great weather. Uh, it looked like they had a decent crowd there in the stands. And 
from all the reports I got from people that I knew they were there really enjoyed the the weekend of racing. They had some, a lot of celebrities throughout the weekend and, and um, they did some great media availability uh, interviews that they provided and everything. And I listened to a lot of those and it was, so the celebrities had typically, uh, you know, they don't know what they're getting into, but they had a lot of fun and were surprised by everything that they saw and everything. So um, we go to Martinsville now and then, um, oh, and let me, let me bring up the fact that the only real controversy, it seemed like, was the Truex and uh, Larson incident on pit road with late in the race. Yeah, and, which was weird. Well, yeah, Truex was leading and he had taken the lead after a caution. There were like 46 laps left to go. And... um there was yellow flag. So when they came in, they, um, the two pit Larson was right on the back of, uh, Truex's, uh, bumper. And at that time of day, the drivers were complaining about the sun and the glare in the windshield. They couldn't see. And that, that is a tight pit road there at, at Homestead. And, yeah. and so, uh, Larson got in, got it. He actually hit the back of Truex's car as he was drifting over to the left to pull into his pit stall and it spun Truex around and Truex is so, so Truex was so frustrated because Don, you know, he's still looking for his first victory of the season and um, still hasn't gotten it. And that could have been the, the, had that not happened, he might've, you know, got in there and got tires and fuel and came back out and he might've been the, the race winner had that not happened, you know, with getting turned around. And so we have audio we're going to hear from the drivers in a little bit on that. And, and, but that seemed to be the big thing that the media was trying to make a big deal out of, you know, that Larson spun him around, you know, spun him yeah. out. Well, because <laughs> there was nothing else to talk about. <laughs> Mike, let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, because I know that you said, uh, again, that Joy Logano, the only one locked in right now because of that win. I mean, I'm guessing things would have to go really, really bad, though, at Martinsville for Ross Chastain to not make it. Because Ross has gotten second place um, in all three of these races or all the previous two races um, in this round. So I would think that Ross is pretty secure up there in the second spot, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, looking at this here uh, with the points. I think he's. Let's see. I'm not sure if they show the total points, but he's um, he is sitting in second right now. The point standings is going in the Martinsville. Logano's in first, and he's locked in. Um, Ross is pretty much locked in. I think if he starts and finishes well, he'll definitely you know be there uh, points wise. Uh, it's Chase Elliott and William Byron that are third and fourth. They're the next two, and then Denny Hamlin is outside the top four. He's in fifth. Blaney's in sixth. Christopher Bell's in seventh and Chase Briscoe's in eighth. So Denny's the one that really needs to, um, if he wants to get in, he better win the race or finish, you know, way ahead of Chase and, and, and William. But I think Ross is, you can almost count Ross. I mean, without saying it, I think Unless almost, something goes bad. Well, <laughs> we're, at, we're, at, we're at Martinsville and, you know, that's the track to do it at. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, though, because there's so much. I mean, you've got so you've got Ross and Denny, but then you've got William Byron and Denny, right? That have yeah. a little history. Uh, you've, I mean, there's so many people that have pissed off Denny Hamlin this season, and Denny is in a desperate situation. William Byron and Chase Elliott are teammates, but they are they may be battling for a final spot. You know, it, 
and I only say that in case somebody else is looking to win the race. And if Chastain is up there, I mean, Chastain would already have the second place secure. So, you know, they may be looking to, you know, go at each other and you throw the teammates thing out the window. Uh, Ryan Blaney still, you know, like you said, there's, it, I know. It's be interesting. Martinsville is going to be very interesting. Very interesting. And like I'm looking at the standings right now, and you have Lenny in sixth place, and Chris Bell in seventh, and Chase in eighth. Chase Briscoe, that is. One of these drivers, Don, gets a win. They leapfrog these guys. Yep. And then they get locked in. So I mean, this could be a a real uh, shootout between seven drivers. You know, and that's not to- even taking into consideration, Mike. I'm sorry, the guys that you know are normally really good at Martinsville who may not be playoff contender drivers again. Um, and and taking into account, you know, that like you just said, you named a guy Martin Truex Jr. He wants a win this season. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Busch would like to get a win again and go out, mm-hmm. you know, with a win. Um, there there's several guys out there. Bubba Wallace comes back this week. Mm-hmm. You know, Bubba runs really yeah. well at Martinsville too. Yes, he does. You know, Kyle got his win last week. You know, and a lot of people wanted to spin it and oh look, you know, it's um, you know Kyle's way of getting back or blah blah, you know, whatever. Um, I, and I don't mean that towards Kyle Larson. I'm just saying it. You know, people are reaching. <laughs> it's just you know, the dominant car, but. You know, you could you and, could almost write a reaching storyline like that if Bubba Wallace does really because Bubba has a lot to prove this weekend coming back. Yeah, he does, and and I wouldn't be surprised if he's not out to prove something, you know. And but then too, Don, you know, you could have one of these guys like Justin Haley or Michael McDowell or Brad Keselowski, you know, who uh, yeah, sneak up and get a win and and really be a spoiler for some of these other guys. And don't count on Chris Busher. Yeah, and and so there's a uh, there's a whole bunch of scenarios that can happen. The weather could be a factor. I'm not quite sure. I haven't seen the forecast for Martinsville this weekend, but I know there's, you know, we're in the type of year right now with the seasons with the cold fronts coming in, bringing rain and everything like that. So the uh, depending on the forecast, that could play a factor with a race that ends under you know caution or shortened race or. There's all kind of things that could happen here. So this is going to be a fun one to watch. And uh, I'm hoping the car, the cars do well at Martinsville. We have a better race than what we did earlier this year. And yes, you know, because if not, it's really going to be a long race for a lot of people. I know. So, well, Mike, uh, I know you said you've got some audio from Kyle Larson there, um, right, uh, right after the race, right after he crossed the checkered flag, or crossed the checkered flag, crossed the checkered line. I guess is what we are trying to say, or under the checkered flag, whatever I'm trying to say. Uh, he got the win, Mike. What, what the hell? What did he say? What did he have to say? Okay, so here's his front stretch interview with NBC. Here we go. Well, Rick, what a week for Kyle Larson in the middle of the controversy last week, taken out at Las Vegas. But today, man, did he deliver, led all but 68 laps. And for the Miami fans, he finally gets a win at one of his best racetracks here at Homestead Miami Speedway. So, Kyle, going to go get the checkered flag first, celebrate with the fans for a moment. I know this is one you wanted bad. Is this sort of reminiscent of last year when you guys were so dominant, Kyle? Maybe the best run you guys have had all year long. Yeah, definitely the the best run we've had all year long. It's We've been capable of it. I feel like many weekends we just haven't uh, quite put it all together. So Cliff, Cliff gave a, a great speech this morning and got us all ready to go and focused and um, did my best to keep it out of the wall. I, I got in the wall a few times, but I could still make speed um, doing that. So 
uh, amazing race car. Um, I knew that that last run was going to be short enough where I was going to be in some sort of trouble there, but thankfully AJ and Ross were, were racing hard behind me. So uh, huge thanks to Valvoline, HendrickCars.com, everybody at Hendrick Motorsports too. Um, I, I think it was a good day for, for Chase and William. Um, but yeah, happy for our team. And we get to go race for an owner's title in Phoenix in a couple weeks. So um, we're, we're still technically not out of it. I know I, I, I can't win the championship, but it means more to me to, to win it as a team. So um, we're going to go to Phoenix and try and get another championship. I have to ask you about the contact on pit road with Martin Truex Jr. What was your view of what happened? Yeah, so I was just uh, going behind him and um, he hung a hard left and was hard on the brakes at the same time. And uh, I ran right in the back of him. So um, I don't know if my team said he was he was late, turned into a stall, but um, I don't know if it was my fault. I'm sorry. I don't think it was, but um, it's it's hard to see down this this pit road. I don't know if fans and people realize when you got debris all over your windshield, the sun shining straight in your face. It's hard to see your stall. So um, hate that happen. He was definitely you know, the, the one that I was going to have to beat. He was he was really good that last long run too. So um, what a fun day. Uh, I've always wanted to race here during the day at Homestead. We could rip the wall and um, finally have a, a car tough enough for me to be able to, to run the wall and finish the race. So uh, a lot of fun today. Hope you fans enjoyed the ass kicking there and uh, hope we can do it again in a couple weeks. Dale Earnhardt Jr. said it was an A-plus burnout. I would say it was an A-plus day overall for Kyle Larson and Hendrick Motorsports, Kim. Yeah, it was, Don. It was definitely an A-plus day, and he uh, he looked good in the car. Like I said, it's a shame that he's out of the playoffs because that would have been a great you know storyline there, him punching his ticket to the Final Four. and, and uh, But um, anyway, you heard him talk about a little bit about the Truex situation. He elaborates a little more in another interview we have, which we'll hear in, in just a few minutes. So Okay. Well, I mean – you know, things happen. And, and like you said, Homestead, it, 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 their pit road is a little sketchy. Um, and that sun can be a killer. We all know that. But uh, get ready for it because in Phoenix, that's exactly what, what happens in Phoenix all of the time. So uh, yeah. anyway, well, Mike, um, I mean, I'm ready to hear from Truex and hear what he has to say. Yeah, so they caught up with Truex after the race. And here's what Martin had to say. Let's get Martin Truex Jr.'s side of the store. We saw the contact from the five. Checked in with your team. They said the five spun you. Larson just told Marty he didn't think it was his fault. The booth noted you seemed a little far to commit to your pit stall. What happened? Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a little bit of, a little bit of both of that. It was it's really hard to see through these windshields right now with the sun like that and all the stuff covering it. And um, I did see my box late for sure. And um, you know, so I slowed down before I turned out of out of the way the five there so you know obviously uh partly on me i i didn't expect to get turned around i'm glad nobody uh got hurt there um you know but overall it's just uh it's just disappointing and you know to uh have a good day going like that and uh have a shot at winning and um you know couldn't close the deal so i hate it for my team um just it's been one of those years you know so uh Thanks to Bass Pro and Johnny and Tracker and Cabela's, everybody, uh, everybody that supports us and sticks behind us, all our fans. Um, we're going to keep digging. We're going to win a bunch of races. We just got to get through this rough patch. Whether it was a mistake or just bad luck, another win losing from Martin Trucks Jr. in this team. Yeah, and got cut off there at the end there on the 
audio that we got uh, from uh, courtesy of NBC and NASCAR there. But um, yeah, it's a shame, Don. And I tell you, when, when his car spun around, boy, you talk about people scrambling on pit road. It was a close call. It's a wonder that those guys didn't get hit. You know, we talk about it every week. I know everyone always looks, especially when all, a lot of the talk lately has been about this car and the safety of it, and it's always about the drivers. But those unsung heroes are those those mm-hmm. guys and gals that go over the wall because they just they're not paying you know they're it's kind of out their peripheral but it's really and truly their their safety is more in the hands of each other and trying to keep an eye on each other while doing their job and just trying to you know be in their box (laughs) that's all that that little box is you know their their safety so to speak but um yeah it's amazing how quick those guys and gals can get get out of the way you know, I, my first trip to, to Texas Motor Speedway in a NASCAR race was, you know, many, many years ago. But I, I never forget when I used to, you know, watch on TV and you see the pit stops and it looks like there's a lot of room, you know, that go over the wall. But when you get down there on pit road and get right up close and look, there's really not a lot of room. Mm-mm. You know, uh, those those pit boxes are small. It looks bigger on TV. and uh, But when you get down there and you see those guys go over the wall, they're literally taking their life in their own hands i mean because these these cars are zooming in and out and and it's it's tight quarters and there's a lot of action going on and and uh, we've seen people get hit and hurt before and it's a very dangerous sport especially for those guys that are on the uh, cruise so kudos kudos to them for doing it week in and week out those are like you said are the real heroes there it's tight quarters if the driver gets into the box I mean, nearly. I mean, or or gets into the box where they should, where they should be. Nine times out of ten, they're not. They're crooked. They're, (laughs) um, you know, they're close to the wall. They're in reverse. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's 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 very, uh, it's a hazardous deal. And and you know, again, the way that these guys do it in thirteen seconds or less, it's just crazy. It's amazing. Uh, they're able to do it. So, and you know what, Mike, I just want to say one thing, you know, and this is something that I've always <laughs> liked about Martin Truex Jr. And I always feel like a lot of it comes from his driving under Dale Jr. or with Dale Jr. for so long too. And, you know, they're kind of the same kind of guy and stuff. It's, you know, took response. He could have been, he could have, you know, been a dickwad and just been like, ah, you know, no, I got spun. You know, I was, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It was that kind of a day and he really could have been there like that. He immediately... I mean, said everything like if we hadn't heard from what what Larson said, you would think that that's, um, you know, I I mean, that Larson's just spewing out or repeating what he said. But, of course, Larson said all of that first. So Martin, you know, class act taking responsibility, saying, you know, that it's hard to see how. So if it was hard for Martin to see his pit stall, basically, then how, you know, imagine Kyle behind him, you know, not being able to see it, you know, either same situation and if if martin's kind of overshot his pit stall and then slams on his brakes to get in there yeah i mean it's it's just it's it's a racing incident it's what happened Mm -hmm. but um but i I, again i like the fact that martin owns up and and says those things very few guys do so many of them make excuses nowadays it's just you know just whatever you're right i want to come back to dell jr in a minute remind me i have something to tell you about him and marcus smith but um, I just want to throw that out there because I'll have a senior moment and I'll forget. But uh, <laughs> the uh, what you know when uh, Truex's car got turned around, they actually he was actually backwards in the in the pit stall. They actually got out there and changed their, everything and yeah, 
they you know they didn't turn them around they they did it all and he said change the tires you got the tires change them (laughs) well i mean what what track is it now that they have to do it backwards they do their pits backwards or in reverse it's one of the road courses so yeah you know they they know what they're doing so they'll figure it out (laughs) so they they, uh they caught up with larson Uh, there was a separate audio file that was available for us uh, with larson uh reacting what truex said after they so here's let me go and play that one here's here's that one here we go yeah, from my my perspective, I mean, I'm I'm just running my pit road speed. I'm running my lights. Um, I'm trying to stay on those as consistent as I can. And you know, it's I think I had a few feet from my front front bumper to his rear bumper, and um, you know, usually you you peel off and you're still in the gas um, until you know you got a, a the guy's got a lane to go by, and he started to peel off, and then all of a sudden he like slammed on the brakes and. I hit him. I didn't really have any time to react. You know, I was so close to him. So um, I didn't know at the time if like he was trying to get me to check up and and play games or anything, but um, it sounded like he just, you know, misjudged where his pit stall was. This, this is the hardest pit road to find your pit stall when it gets to that time of a day, you know, the sun is about straighten your eyes. You got debris all over your windshield. I've missed my pit stall here before um, because of that. So I, I assume that's probably what happened. I haven't heard his comments or anything, but I hope that's what happened because, I mean, I'm just running my pit road, my pit road lights. You know, they're not counting me into his pit stall, so I'm just trying to maintain what I'm doing. And, and he got to the brakes really hard, and and hate that I spun him because he had a, a great day going and, and a great car, but uh, just unfortunate. And Don, that interview was done in the media center there. That was some questions they asked him about to elaborate a little bit more than what he said out on on the front straightaway about what happened. And and so again, he brought up the fact, you know, it's hard to see and debris on the windshield, and you know, they do the tear offs and all that, and just that time of day, and it's tight racing, and you know, that pit road is is not very wide, and I've seen that happen before with other guys in other races over the years, so. Uh, it's just part of racing, but it's kind of a shame for Martin because I think he had a, a good car. This could have been his first win of the season, and where he really had a car that could make it to the end and and good setup and everything. So it's kind of a shame because when he got spun around like that, he lost a lot of spots on pit road and never really re- regained it. So there you go. Yeah, I, it was. I mean, but like you said, it's kind of par for the course the way the season has gone for for Martin. So. Uh, but Mike, like you said, we, we leave there. We, we've discussed the points where we're at points wise. We head into Martinsville this weekend. Uh, and after Martinsville, once Martinsville is done, we will have our final four who will go on and compete at Phoenix for this year's championship. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Um, Mike, I know one, one thing, and we're going to talk about it here coming up in a little bit in our NHRA talk is with Tony Stewart. I, I understand Tony Stewart was supposed to be the grand marshal uh, at Homestead. And then Kip Moore, I guess it was, ended up be doing it. And, and Tony kind of bowed out. Uh, uh, apparently, the the reason is that he was busy on pit road with people, clients and stuff of Stewart Haas racing and all. But a lot of speculation is because of just all the stuff that's been going on and how furious Tony has been with NASCAR, uh, that that could have been the reason why. Um, we'll probably never get to the bottom of it, but um, 
But there is other Tony Stewart news, and uh, we've got it in the NHRA stuff. So why don't we go ahead and let's let's talk it? Let's let's go ahead and swing it. Let's, let's talk it. Well, they announced, I believe, uh, let's see, today is we're recording on a Thursday, but it was Tuesday. The uh, NHRA released the information. They had, we had a, a Zoom call session with him on Tuesday as well. But Tony Stewart, you know, who owns um, Tony Stewart Racing for uh, the NHRA, he has a top field team, which his wife, Leah Pruitt, drives. And then Matt Hagen drives their, the funny car for their uh, team, the Nitro Funny Car. They announced that Tony is going to be competing in his first ever <clears throat> NHRA uh, race. He's going to be running in top alcohol dragster. It's a class that's underneath the, the pro classes. It's a very fast class. These cars go down the track in around five or six seconds. They top out about 275 miles an hour. Tony got his license this past summer, and um, earlier in the in the year, he uh, got his license. He did, did some runs last year. He went to the Frank Hawley uh, Drag Racing School in, in Florida and took a bunch of uh, uh, <laughs> classes and courses there with 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 the instructors there, getting them used to the seat time and reaction times, and it's just how to you know go through the process of you know taking a dragster down the uh, the uh, track. And Tony got his license, and now he's um, has a chance with the I think it's uh, Phillips. Um, well, he'll he'll talk about it. Uh, the Phillips family or whatever uh, is it, they have they have several cars, and one of the cars they have is a top uh, um, top alcohol dragster. And the guy that normally drives it's not available this weekend, so they're going to put Tony in the car. He's going to try to qualify uh, t- Friday. They're in the first round of qualifying, and then there's another round of qualifying. There's a couple rounds on Saturday. He's going to try to make the 16-car uh, field, I believe. I think they have uh, I think they have a 16-car field for Sunday. And, <laughs> and he'll be racing in the... Uh, Lucas Oil Racing Series, which is a it's a class that's underneath the the, the pro classes in in any way, but he's all all excited. But uh, so we 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 had a uh, we meaning the media had a Zoom call session with him, a twenty minute session, and I pulled some of the most important things he said about um, racing. This is big because um, he's really gotten into this drag racing, and when you hear what he has to say, uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, how much he loves what he's doing now with, uh, you know, racing and, and, you know, dragsters and, and uh, he's done, you know, sprint cars and Indy cars and NASCAR stock cars and raced all kind of different uh, types of cars over the years. And, and, but now he's gotten into drag racing. So I'm going to play this. It's about six minutes Don, And um, here's a kind of a compilation of stuff he had to say about this coming weekend at Las Vegas. So here we go. Well, I think honestly, it started with uh, the test at Reading, Pennsylvania. We got to run on Monday and make a couple runs with McPhillips family. And uh, they call him Pops because there's Rich McPhillips Sr. and Jr. And so you call Rich Richie and Rich Sr. Pops. And uh, we got done with our last run and we were in the tow vehicle towing the car back to the pit. And uh, Pops goes, I think you're ready to run a race finally. So uh kind of caught me off guard. I said, are you, you serious? You, you really think that? He goes, yeah. He goes, I, I don't see anything and any reason why you shouldn't, you know, that you're not ready to run. So um, then you fast forward a couple, a little bit, you know, a month or two. And, and uh, the driver that was supposed to drive the car this weekend in Las Vegas, uh, I think has another commitment 
And so it opened up the seat. And I said, anytime there's an availability to drive this car, I'm in. And if you find a, an event that you think would, would be a good fit for me, let me know. I'm, I'm open to the opportunity. So when, uh, you know, Richie called me and said, Hey, uh, you know, Vegas is open. Uh, I jumped on it. So I, well, I didn't jump on it immediately. I, <laughs> I conferred with my wife first, who I feel like has, uh, some credentials to decide whether, uh, I'm ready as well, because she's pretty much watched every lap I've ran in any type of car in NHRA right now. So, um, she said she thought it would be okay and a good place to, to get the first race. And, uh, you know, with their confidence, it gave me the confidence to, to pull the pin and say, Hey, let's do this. I think if you follow my career, I don't have a history of being a very good spectator. I always, you know, I I'll watch and then I, I get that, I get that urge to want to know what it feels like in the driver's seat. So, uh, you know, when I went and started with Leah and, and when we started dating and I got to go to the races, I had a lot of questions because you stand there and, you know, you're in the pit hanging out with the team, but the biggest thing is just, you try to stay out of their way. And then the longer you're there, the more that you see stuff and that creates questions. And every, every answer I got to a question created three more questions. So, uh, you know, here we are over two years later now. And, uh, you know, I just genuinely love the sport of drag racing. Now it's uh, of all the forms of motorsports I've been a part of uh, the NHRA and drag racing in general is off on its own Island compared to everything else that, that kind of lumps together. And, And every Every car and every series I've ever ran in have their unique characteristics, but drag racing is just off on its own island and uh, everything, I shouldn't say everything's different, but there's a lot of things that, that are different and a lot of things that are the same than what we're used to. But just to see how powerful these cars are and, and how much speed they can run is is incredible. You know, the, the thing with the top fuel car, when I started getting some test laps in that car, uh, the hardest part for me was literally getting my brain to learn to process the information fast as it is happening. And it's, it's hard to explain that to people, but literally you step on the gas in the top fuel car and you get to the three thirty cone and your brain is a hundred feet behind the car, your hands and your rear end. That's feeling everything the car is doing are in time, but your brain is sitting there trying to process everything that has happened in that first 330 feet. And that's been the biggest challenge for me is just getting my brain to learn to process the information as fast as it's happening. I, I don't, I don't even think about it. Honestly, I'm just honored that I have the opportunity to do this. This is something that uh, in my racing career, I've got to drive. I I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody in this era that's driven as many different types of race cars as I've driven. And to have the opportunity to do that this weekend is something that, um, you know, this is genuinely super exciting for me. Um, I've already started sleeping bad this week because I can't get my brain to shut off at the end of the day. And, and I'm thinking about everything and running procedures and simple things like the warm up procedure in the pit where it's just up on stands. I've been running through that procedure in my head, preparing for the weekend. And it's just all the little details that it takes that uh, are super important in this sport. I, I think as a fan, when I started watching, I thought they'd fire the car up. They, the, the crew chiefs tune on the injector and then they go do the burnout. They back up, they pull it up to the line. They make another adjustment to the injector and then they hit the gas pedal when, when the light changes. And then when you get in the sport and and you know, people in the sport, you realize how many more hundreds of details are important. And the fact of trying to learn something new and trying to learn how to not necessarily perfect it, but 
to try to do it correctly and to do it accurately and consistently. Uh, that's what I really like about this challenge this weekend of doing something new is trying to figure out how to do it and do it right. And that's something that in my entire career, I've taken a lot of pride in trying to be able to do that. And, and uh, you know, this weekend's definitely not going to be easy. Um, I, there's nothing about this that I'm taking for granted, by the way. It's I'm definitely the underdog coming in. Um, but the biggest thing, like I said, the whole goal of the weekend is to get experience and to figure out how, how much, uh, you know, we'll see how much I enjoy it this weekend. And if I, and if I fall in love with it, like I think I might, who knows what the future can hold, but um, you know, I'm getting too old to, I'm too old to race an Indy car. I'm retired from NASCAR. Uh, sprint car racing is getting tougher and tougher in a young man's game, uh, you know, but drag racing, the, the reaction times and the aspects of it, uh, that are way different than everything else I've done is what are what's drawing me to this weekend and doing this. And that's what this weekend's about. It's about learning and getting that experience and and seeing if I think this is something that that could be a part of my future. So obviously I'm heavily invested in it with with our two teams with Matt and Leah. And uh, you know, I genuinely love the sport. I love the people. I mean, I saw Alan Reinhardt's on here today, Joe Costello. I mean, these are guys that I get to be around every weekend. Uh, they're awesome people. The the pit area, the atmosphere at an NHR race is unbelievable. It's unparalleled. Uh, the fan access and how the fans can come down and watch these teams tear apart these motors, service these cars and get them ready in less than an hour is phenomenal. And it's something that the fans have access to at an NHRA race that they can't get in any other form of motorsports. So um, it's just, it's a lot of fun to do something different and to see an atmosphere that really reminds me of what it was like in the heyday of having fun uh, in motorsports. So, um, you know, yeah, this is something that if it all goes well, absolutely. It could be something that I could look forward to possibly doing more down the road. And there you go, Don, you said a lot and uh, man, I tell you what, he, um, he really praised the NHRA uh, and this is big for them and they're loving it right now. But um, what, what do you think about all that? Uh, I mean, yeah, I love it. And, you know, you have to wonder, too, if there's not a, a tiny tad bit of Tony doing that just to kind of oh. spite NASCAR a little bit. You know, let me praise another. I mean, although, you know, he's genuinely having a good time and stuff, but he's been very critical over the last few weeks. So. Yes, he has. And there's some NHRA uh, insiders that say that they've talked to him and he's Entered that he's not too certain how long um, he's going to be sticking with uh, NASCAR, you know, with the uh, owning teams. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, decides to, you know, put an end to Stuart Haas racing and just have Haas racing, you know. Well, get, and and I've heard that. I've heard rumors of that too, Mike. And you know, let's face it, Tony is more of the face of it, but Haas is the money behind it. So. Yeah. I, I don't know if in the end, if it would hurt them, you know, or not. I mean, um, it, it may as far as the face of it goes, but but I don't know. I think I think a lot of this has, you know, I, I don't know. And that's a, a conversation, I guess, for another day. But it takes us back to here. We always are quoting things that we hear on the on the Dale Jr. download. But it takes yeah. me back to that conversation of charters and stuff. And when you see how important charters are right now and how sought after how limited they are and how expensive they are um you know i just don't see it hurting because the the interest is is there from from so many other places and so many other teams i i don't see it hurting them as long as haas is behind it with the money 
Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, uh, you're right. You're right on all that. Um, but one thing I've seen this year on the NHRA uh, circuit with since he started the team for Matt and Leah is the fact that the uh, the ratings are up. Uh, his presence at the track, people want to see him. And Tony's actually relaxed. He's having fun. He's signing autographs. Hell, I, we, I don't know how many times Michael and I walked by their pit area there, and, and he's out there talking to the fans and stuff like that. We didn't see that in NASCAR. Tony, you know, he he would duck and hide and run, and he didn't want to really mess with the fans, and he was very short with the media a lot. But he here, here he takes time for interviews. I mean, we got, you know, 20 minutes out of him with the Zoom session. You heard how relaxed he was. He didn't really give any sharp, smart-ass, <laughs> critical comments, you might say. And um, he's just kind of a, a different person. He's really enjoying it. And I would not be surprised to see Tony in a year or two run top fuel against his wife and and, and go for a championship. And who, you know, who knows, <laughs> you know, they, they put together a good team. I mean, Tony's the kind of guy that, hell, he could be a NHRA a top fuel champion. Yeah, no, definitely. And he'll, and he'll always be able to bring in sponsorship money. So, um, you know, I mean, Mike, in, in all the years of covering NASCAR and stuff, I've just, I've always had, and I've always said, I've always had very good, um, luck I guess <laughs> my opportunities with Tony and I've probably out of all the drivers that I've gotten to to be around and talk to I've had more opportunity with Tony Stewart than one-on-one opportunity with Tony Stewart oh. than, than I think with anybody else I mean um, and you've been there you know on a couple of those occasions but I mean like I I know there was one occasion you you weren't able to go but I went in San Antonio when Rush uh, when yeah. uh, trucking, I went to a event that they had and got to sit out right after he had, uh, that was during the off season when he broke his leg and yeah. he had come back and stuff, but a uh, really nice guy. I mean, I, I remember I, I told you years ago, um, being at the win and standing there talking to him, uh, our, my good friend, okay, yeah, <laughs> Pete. Pete, um, I remember standing there in the wind with him uh, that weekend and Tony being there and him introducing Tony and and myself to each other. And then Tony and I had a good 10 minute conversation there before he went to the baccarat table and, uh, and, and broke poor Matt Dillner's heart, you know, (laughs) that whole (laughs) night was, it was great. But, um, and then, you know, you know, Epa Texas motor speedway, Tony was always very gracious. And, and I always, I always thought too, that part of it was because, when we were sitting there on the, this was the media day that we would go yeah. up there. And literally we were sitting there and I was the only female in there, you know? So I always thought that it kind of helped. He would just take time to answer questions. And I, I think I've got pictures, you know, where he's, you know, talking to yeah. me and stuff. I met him. We came out of the bathroom at the same time and he's like, Hey, imagine seeing you here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he was always gracious, but I have been, you know, in the media center when he's been, oh yeah, you know, a a a dick. <laughs> and, yeah, and no one could be. be a bigger <laughs> prick than him than Tony Stewart. So, um, I would say Kyle Bush is a almost a distant second compared to Tony oh, Stewart because yeah, Tony definitely. was just. I think the my favorite like shitty Tony Stewart moment to mm-hmm. reporters had to be with Steve Burns when he was walking down, remember? And, and then, and Steve is like, you know, at the end, he's like, you know, well, thank you. And he's like, 
oh, you know, no, thank you. Or so because it's like as much as he wanted to be a jerk, Steve Burns was such a guy, a great guy and a nice guy <laughs> that he almost like had to snap out of it. And he was like, you know, OK, it's Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but I've always enjoyed Tony. I mean, you know, you, you just knew leave him alone if you know you could always tell but I, like i said he he was always very gracious and stuff when i saw him so i, I had no complaints but well i'll tell you what he's gonna have his work cut out for him this weekend at las vegas because that top alcohol director class there there are a number of racers male and female that will kick his ass quick especially on the tree if he's not careful uh and he's been practicing with this um, reaction thing time it's like a christmas tree thing that they they you know try their reaction time they hit the button and everything you know and, and everything so he he's got his work cut out and um it'll be fun i'm sure the ratings will be up i'm sure they'll sell some tickets in las vegas to see him and good luck tony and i hope he does well and um we'll see what happens see what happens as we go into 2023 and see if he uh decides to compete on a more professional basis there in the top fuel uh, dragster class well, and Mike, I know absolutely nothing about what I'm about to say, so I'm just going to say it and hope it sounds good. But I would think the – I mean, because you can't even compare. You know, we try to do it like when when drivers step into an Indy car, you know, who are NASCAR drivers or vice versa or Formula One, whatever. But I don't think you can even com- – I mean, there's no way you can compare the two. The only thing I could say that I would feel is an advantage is two things, is A – I mean, there's a big difference in going 300 something miles an hour, you know, really quick and being able to control that. But I would think car control might be an easier thing for him because he's so used yeah. to controlling such heavy vehicles and yeah. stuff. And then I know that the it's all about the, the start, you know, and getting that jump off the tree, you know, as soon as the lights change. But I would think that that's almost got to be like a restart kind of thing, too, for him. I mean, it's just yeah. that reaction and go. Um but it's putting it all together and keeping it in a straight line and going. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I think once he gets going, I, I would think that then it's almost advantage Tony because he's used to just going full out, you know, I, I don't even full, know. If, full throttle. Right. It's just throw yeah. it down, you know, lay it down and go. But, um, and I just think sometimes too, Mike, it's just an instinct thing. Either you got it or you don't. And that's, that's what makes these drivers great is, you know, I don't think you can, I think you can teach the basics, but on that level, it's just got to be an instinct thing. But can you imagine a rivalry between he and his wife and what that would be like, you know, racing your wife and I think you know, we see it in, in, in pro stock motorcycle between Matt and Angie Smith and the TV ratings are great for that class and, People love it. They love to talk about how, you, you know, the forces and stuff too. I mean, you know, you've got, well, the family deals. yeah, yeah. It makes it, it makes it interesting and gives, gives me uh, as a media member, something to write about and talk about. And, and, you know, it's, it's good for the sport. Well, and, and I don't mean, and again, because it's my kind of naiveness of only, you know, sort of getting into it with you, you know, over the last few years, but, and, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Leah, no. but she she hasn't i mean she's not one of like the best out there is she in that division i mean i i knew of her and stuff but my understanding of this team coming in too is that you know which is probably why tony's so relaxed too is that you know this is this is a starter team and i mean these are two good drivers that he has you know but were they two favorites for championships and stuff i mean or or more so with matt hagan because he's won championships and before than 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 Leah, but Leah is um she um 
she's got a good car and she she knows what she's doing and she just needs um you know some more i think more seat time and more experience and she always has been doing the the top fuel dragster uh racing very long i mean she's racing other classes and she's really good in like in competition you know plus cars and stuff like that so um um, but uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see if she gets it together. There's so many factors that go into it with, you know, the tune-up and the weather and the track conditions and yeah. that play into this. It, it's very hard to win those races. You know, you really have to have your, your A game on. I mean, you take a guy like Antron Brown who can do it all, and he struggled this year. He's won a few, but he's also struggled a few, and and he's a an owner-driver this year. And so that's another thing when, you know, when you're an owner-driver, it it wears on you because you have so much other things you have to worry about, you know, on the, on the team and the operation and just getting in the car and driving. Well, and I think too, you think more about taking care of things more than you would just as a driver because of expenses in your head. too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Leah, just one one final note on Leah, when they had the uh, qualifying session on Friday night there at the Texas Motorplex, they were racing. Whoever set the fast time on Friday night would get a, uh, extra $15,000 check. Well, Leah went down the track and blew the engine. And, and I mean, she uh, trying to get the 15,000, <laughs> the damage she caused to the engine, she blew about $80,000 trying to get 15. So it, it was an upside down run for that team. And they lost a lot of money on that run. So um, got to take care of your equipment and she didn't do it that night. <laughs> so sounds like me, like with coupons shopping. <laughs> But I saved, yeah, but you spent more to save that. So, okay, I get it. Um, And so NHRA, you mentioned, so the Vegas, and then after that they take a week off and then they're done. They go to Pomona and then they're done, yeah. So uh, good racing. And and one more thing about uh, NHRA, I wrote a story today and published it on Race Day, uh, Race Day, uh, I can't talk, RaceDaySA.com, Erica Enders, our Texas girl who drives in the pro stock class there. She uh, won uh, at, at Texas and she's got a 165 point lead in the standings. She should clinch with a good finish uh, this weekend in Vegas. She should clinch. She has multiple wins at that track. I think she's won there nine different times. She has uh, more wins than any, anybody in, in, in drag racing uh, history and in, in any class at that track. And, um, she should get her uh, championship, her fifth championship, which is going to be a record for for women in racing. Period, and and she it, it'll be her if she wins the race, it'll be her forty third career win. So um, look, keep an eye on Erica, and and she's you know done great this year, and 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 so it should be a good weekend. And I understand the weather is going to be great this weekend in Vegas. So um, check out the. Nevada Nationals is what they're calling it this weekend. Nevada Nationals. All right. Well, uh, we will definitely make sure that we're checking that out. And All right, Mike. So back to Martinsville. Um, besides the hot dogs. Oh, you know yeah. Okay. I was just going to say, I thought about this today because I get made fun of all the time because what's back, Mike? <laughs> what have you seen me posting about? What time of year is it? What is back at McDonald's right now? The McRib sandwich. The McRib sandwich. And so I told myself today, I will no longer <laughs> clown on people who go to Martinsville and and 
eat those things like they're going out of style because while they look absolutely disgusting to me, I, there's nothing that pisses me off more than people who judge a McRib and want to say that it's disgusting because I have no idea how you could even remotely think that a McRib tastes disgusting. Um, but anyway, so so I, I will not – I will try – at least for this week, I will not make fun of people that eat the Martinsville hot dogs. Okay. Sorry. You I just thought it. of that today. <laughs> but all right. Who's your favorite? Who who are you going with? I need your picks. Okay. Don't forget about Dell Jr. I want to come back to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll do that. Okay. So let's see. We're going to uh, Martinsville and I'm looking at the, uh, the standings and everything. And I'm thinking, man, you know, um, who's going to win? Who's not going to win? I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go Denny for the win. Chase Elliott is my long shot. In my really, really long shot, I'm going to go um, Kevin Harvick. Okay, now I want to ask you one more question. Who are your four drivers that will be going to Phoenix? Okay, so naturally Joey. Mm-hmm. Ross is going to get in. Uh-huh. And I think uh, Blaney's going to get in. And if Denny wins the race, he'll get in. Okay, so that's who you're going with. All right. So I am going to go with you know what i'm going to say it's going to be a non a non playoff drivers i'm going to go kyle bush okay um for the win my runs well there so yeah yes he does my second pick i will say denny hamlin and uh lastly you know what why not i'll go bubba wallace (laughs) why not so um um, so I'm going to say Kyle Bush, Denny and Bubba, then my four to get in, of course, Joey, and then I too will say Ross and then my three and four pick. Oh gosh, I'm going to go, I'm going to have to say Chase Elliott. And then I think I am going to go William Byron, I think. Wow. Yeah, I okay. think that's who I think. William, the, think William gets in. Okay. Yeah, so. Oh, wait. You know what? No, I can't do that because I picked Denny to win. So I'm going to have to use Denny in a spot. That would be stupid of me to pick Denny to win yeah. and then not use him in a spot. So Joey, Ross, Chase, and Denny. And you say Joey, Ross, Blaney, and Denny. So let's see yeah. if it's out of those, which ones get in. So we know we got Joey. <laughs> And <laughs> we know we got Joey. And we're pretty sure we have Ross in there. We're twenty five percent right. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe fifty if Ross gets in. All right, Mike. So we were talking about. I know you were mentioning uh, Marcus Smith on the Dell Junior download, and I know that they, um, like I said, I know they talked about some things that they want to do at Nashville. Some things that Dell Dell was being very vocal about a lot of things that he would like to see back. Uh, for all-star race weekends and such but you say that there was a there was actually even bigger talk and and it has nothing to do with all-star weekend it has to do with texas motor speedway yeah they right out you know right out of the gate one of the first big topics they talked about was the um what dale asked what are you going to do marcus about texas and dale's been talking to several drivers on his show about this and so he pinned marcus down and marcus kind of Hind haul around right at first, you might say, and didn't say a whole lot. You know, he realizes that they need to do something, but then they got it, they got talking more about specifics, and it does appear one thing I have to say, it definitely looks like 
something's going to be done. We're just not quite sure what, but, but they did talk about, Marcus did talk about, you know, people want a short track and people want this and that. But so one of the things they talked about, Don, you know, with Texas, you really are limited uh, by what you can do there at the track because of the grandstands and the Speedway Club and, and the, the condos and, and, you know, the big hoss on the back straightaway. So as far as putting a short track in, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think what we're going to see is more uh, either we're going to have progressive banking or they're going to reprofile the turns. Uh, they talked about the asphalt is starting to kind of age now a little bit because they did do the repave in 2017 and now it's 2022. So the track surface has been down about five years. Dell says it's starting to come into its groove or whatever you might say a little bit. It's starting to wear to where drivers like it, but the, the turns is, is what the problem is right now because you can't do a lot of passing. The PJ1 compound kind of ruined that. But Dell Dell was like, I wonder, have we not put the PJ1 compound down on the track? And have we just let the asphalt age? Maybe the track will come into itself and be good, just leaving it the way it is. But then Dell's like, I think they ought to put the track possibly back to uh way it was before and and so um where where the racing was good but uh, the part of the problem is the asphalt is so good these days that the quality of the asphalt they talked about that you know it's so good that it's it's just when you pave a track for the first few years you just don't really have good racing yeah yeah we're in and everything and they talked about that as well so but marcus is getting feedback right now from he said he's been talking to several different drivers and series and i assume the series is like you know trucks xfinity cup the different series of the cars that race here and plus any car you mm-hmm. know because that's pretty much what's racing at texas right now but um but marcus realizes that something needs to be done and it appears that they are going to do something it's just a matter of when and there's a lot of time between now and in April to get this done. And, and we saw it didn't take but about three months when they repaved Texas back in 2017. I think they started that project in January and they had it finished by March and then we had a race in April. So there is still time whether or not they do it during the off season. I don't know. They may just do the turns and keep the straightaways the way they are. Um, but if they have to rip out the asphalt, and reprofile it you know it's going to be new asphalt down so it's going to take a few years for that for the turns to to wear in you know if they don't repave the whole thing so i don't know but it was a very interesting um interview the first that uh that i've heard and um if you kind of listen carefully and read into it you pretty much tells something's going to be done it's just what what did uh did Junior throw his idea? I know that he had had a few episodes before about did he throw it out to Marcus about leaving it the way it is and just repaving up there, just tearing up the PJ one where the PJ one is and redoing up there. There was talk of that as well, yeah. yeah and, and and Junior has also uh, had several drivers on his show. He's been getting feedback too, and Marcus has said he's been listening to what they had to say as well. So. Um, it's rather interesting. And they, they talked about North Wilkesboro. They talked about Nashville. And um, if you haven't heard the, uh, the, uh, the episode, it's, it's, it's about an hour and 45 minutes long, but it's, it's really good. And um, I learned a lot just by on, on a lot of different subjects, just by listening to that one uh, Dale Jr. Download. So check it out. Yeah, definitely. Well, 
Mike, uh, like I said, it's going to be an interesting week. It's going to be a busy weekend. We've got a a lot going on. I've got my uh, sixth anniversary, wedding anniversary this weekend. So Congratulations. Thank you. Craig and I are going to go partake Man. in some steak eating. Six years. Wow. I know. We've made it six years already. So <laughs> Make it this long, and I think you can ride it all out. Well, hopefully so. That's the plan. All right. Well, Mike, it's been a great show. And before we go, we definitely want to send our thoughts and prayers out to two families that, uh, of folks that we are dearly going to miss. One from San Antonio, Russell Rush, longtime uh, on air talent at Mix 96.1. He was my cubicle neighbor there when, when I was there at Ticket 760. Just an amazing, amazing man. Lost his battle to cancer uh, this past week. We send out our, our thoughts and prayers and uh, to his family, to his young wife, and uh, all of his fans. Uh, it's a tremendous loss for the city of San Antonio and for the radio family in general. And also to our friend Christy May Judge, a longtime NASCAR official who also lost her battle uh, with cancer last week as well. want to send our thoughts and prayers to her family. Just a really, really bad week uh, when it comes to people that we knew and loved Um losing their battles to this awful, awful disease of cancer. It's just, it takes too many good ones and especially young good ones. And, uh, it was just a sad week last week when it comes to that. So, uh, anyway, we, uh, we love you guys and you will be missed. You guys have yourselves a great weekend and we will be back here next week to find out who the final four will be in Phoenix. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.